Jackie Newman of Cigar Studio in Massachusetts. Welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my beautiful wife, Smokin' Nicole. Um, it has been a uh, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy week. Uh, there's just a lot going on. I'm still trying to get my head straight. Going into the show today, I, I can't believe it's already Thursday. I feel like it's still Monday, but, you know, such is life, right? So, um, anyway, let's get into it. We have uh, we have a guest with us once again this week. We have Mr. Kevin Gold of Rockefeller Cigars. Kevin, welcome to the Smoking Tobacco Show. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing really well. Um, just, you know... Plugging away, burning cigars. How are you doing today? Good. Burning a cigar right now, chilling out, relaxing in the mobile lounge as usual. In the mobile lounge. Are you going to hotbox that mobile lounge or what? <laughs> no. The, uh, it's, it's, uh, well, if I'm by myself, no, I'm not going to hotbox it. That's what I'm going to here in South Florida. South Florida. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... I... I um, I don't smoke a lot in the car. Um, I, I do from time to time. Um, I, I remember I was uh, I was down in Florida a few weeks ago, and I, w- I was with I was with my friend John John Carney, and uh, we were getting in his truck. I'm like, "Are we smoking your truck?" And he was like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "I'm smoking there all the time. You would never know." And I opened it up, and I'm like, "Yeah, you you can tell." And of course, he disagreed with me, but um, I don't know. I just I don't like. I'll smoke in my car. I don't want to smoke in my truck, though. I, that's my thing. I have. Well, it's. Right. I haven't. I haven't done it that first time, it, but it's. It's like all things, because it's still kind of new and it's nice. And I'm like, I don't want to smoke in here yet. But it's like once that first time happens, and that smell doesn't go away, then it's gonna be like, fuck it. Let's just smoke in here. I don't care. Um, but in my car, yeah. I smoke. <laughs> I smoke in my car because I usually it, that that you know I it doesn't really bother me as he much. Drives with that. So. Yeah. So. But whatever, that's uh, my last truck I smoked in, and then it got wrecked, and I got a new one, and then I was, like, hesitant to smoke in this one, and I don't know. Anyway, uh, and so I get it. The car smoking, it, it is fun to do. I just I, I get too particular sometimes because I'm too much of a... We're just garage smoking. Yeah. That's just a step above. Yeah, garage <laughs> smoking. I mean, that's, garage. you know, it's it works. Well, it depends. I mean, if you shut the hotboxing. hot boxing. Mm. Oh, in the wintertime? Yeah. We keep the doors closed. Yeah. We keep the doors closed and it does hotbox a little bit, but we have a couple of rabbit air units. It usually takes good Perfect. care of the smoke, so um not so much I will say with rabbit air, right, since since it came up. The rabbit air look, they're good units. I recommend um I think two probably are gonna work better than one. Um especially with one like one or two people, maybe three you know actively smoking you know with with one running it's pretty good it most it's going to eat the smoke it's not going to get the smell away if you're going for the smell um two a lot better um but yeah the rabbit air is i would say the smell reduction is kind of secondary and it's not like a hundred percent it does a pretty good job but it's not a hundred percent it's more so for us it, it eats the smoke um, it does eat the smoke, so it doesn't get so hazy and cloudy. You're not coughing. Your eyes are not burning. But that helps with that. Uh, the smell is just kind of secondary. Um, so 
while we're on that topic, we do have a review of the Rabbit Air A3. It's going to be dropping on smoking tobacco. Uh, hopefully next week. I'm not sure. We're still working on it, but still putting it all together. But so keep an eye out for that. I just wanted to grab that since that just came up. Um, but Kevin, tonight is about Rockefeller cigars. So Rockefeller is a brand. Uh, how long has Rockefeller been around for? It started in 2010 and was involved in it in 2010. I got involved in the brand in 2014. I was partners in it when I was leaving Wall Street, and I ended up buying the whole thing and redid everything in 2016. Nice. Right, so you didn't find you didn't you weren't the founder of the brand. You, this is something you kind of got into later. No, on. it was founded by uh, right. It was founded by two people. One person is related to somebody who's in the cigar industry, and another guy who's related to Rockefeller. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So that's where the name is used, right? So I picked up on something. You said you worked on Wall Street. So what did you do on Wall Street? Depends what time. <laughs> so, from, so when I when I when I was a teenager, I was selling stocks for people on the phone. They thought I was way older. You know what I mean? And my father used to do a little business in Canada. So I went up there and I got hooked up on gold mines with some geologists. And when I left, I was about, I didn't go into college. I went right into Wall Street. And I was like handing out like, you know, my resume to people, whatever. And I got a job eventually. And I was trading South African. Well, I wasn't trading. I was working with this guy, Paul Colino, and trading South African gold stocks. Okay. And back then they would move like crazy. And I reached out to Numa and Barrick. Originally, because before I went into Wall Street, I wanted to be a miner. That was my thing, right? I was, like, obsessed with going into gold mines. I wanted to be a miner. I didn't do that, but I started going to crazy countries and working with the World Gold Council and governments and areas where high-risk trading gold and silver with uh, investment bankers out of New York. That's what I did. Wow. From, like, 28 wow. to 42. Wow. And then my son was born when I was 42, and I didn't go anywhere. I would have been stabbed if I went somewhere at 42. <laughs> <laughs> so you're My from, wife would have killed me. So you're from New York. You work on perhaps one of the most famous streets in New York. Not the only one. There's there's several of them. But um, one of the famous streets, Wall Street. Um, and it's funny how you say that. You know, you w wanted to be a miner. You, you know, wanted to go into mines and, and, you know, look for gold. But then you end up trading gold in a suit and tie versus you know in a pair of jeans down in the mine uh so you still kind of got into gold just in a different way which is interesting well um, no i i did i did both because i did go to those countries with investment bankers so when barrack and newmont wanted to sell a piece of that mine i would work with them and get the deal done that's what i did oh so you would still go down in the mines yeah like so they took us so what all right so how do i explain this so like in argentina yeah peru yeah or chile right so if Newmont, if, let's say Newmont bought a piece of a mine, right, and they had leftover part of the mine that they didn't want, they didn't want to explore that piece of the mine because to do mining and everything, you have to open up roads, you have to bring a lot of water, you have to have trucks, you need permits, and they and they worked with the, um, the all the governments and like Newmont employed six thousand people for the Peruvian governments and the Argentinian government, so they were not going to let those, you know, they were on their side, but they were destroying the water supply of like the indigenous people in those countries with the indigenous people and the investment bankers to get them to buy a piece of the mine once it was all cleared up that's what we did it's crazy ah interesting interesting yeah so you you go from doing all of that to 
how, so how exactly do you go into the cigar business? Like, was, was that always an idea? Was that something you always wanted to do? Were you were you always a cigar smoker? Uh, and then you were like, hey, I was let, always a cigar smoker. You always were, and then so then you some you get the idea like, hey, like I want to get involved in this brand. How does that come about? So I was like getting burned from Wall Street, because then after I was doing all that gold stuff. My son was born when I was 42, and I was like, I didn't want to work on a desk. I was done. You know what I mean? So I came back. I was on a desk now running program training for Schwab. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be on a desk. So I was like, you know what? I love cigars. I want to open up a cigar lounge. So I looked in Brooklyn. My Barclays sent it open up a cigar lounge, but the prices on the rents I thought were ridiculous. And they weren't budging at all. So I was like, you know what? Let me go down with this retailer, the IPCPR, I think it was 2014. And I met this guy and I got involved. And I said, you know, I'll be 50% partners, learn the business. And that's what I did. Everyone's going to start somewhere. But, you know, I, I, and you, I like how you, you know, you said that, you know, you wanted to, you know, you went to the trade show, you met with some people and you found somewhere where you felt comfortable. You found something you were interested in. You buy in at 50%, you learn the business. And then, you know, you get to a point where you end up buying out the whole thing. So now you are the, the only owner of Rockefeller Cigars. Only uh, 100% the only owner, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you uh, – and, and, and sorry, remind me again. What year was that when you first bought into it? 2016. 2016? July. All right, yeah. So, I mean, so you're six years into this into this industry, really. Um, that's uh, – it, it, it's it's a it's depending on I guess who you ask it's a lot of time a lot can happen in six years but then compared to a lot of these people in this industry they'll tell you ah that's that's like nothing and not in a negative way but just like you know we were talking about before the show just like how fast time travels you know um, it's amazing yeah so it's like depending on how you look at it it's still six years a lot can happen in, in that time and you went from being you know new to the industry you have, you were a fifty fifty you learned some more things. You now buy out the whole brand, and then you said, you know, before we were talking, you know, before the show, you were just coming back from Nicaragua. You were working on some blends, so it's like now you're down in Nicaragua. You're working on blends. Um, you definitely got your hands really in the pot here, and it's got to be, it's got to be somewhat fun. I mean, I don't know, it compared to what you're doing before. It, it sounds, it's to me, it sounds more fun. You have a little bit more of your own creative control uh, with your own, and you're, right. and you're, and you're your own boss. I mean that. Who doesn't yeah. like that? <laughs> so to me, to me, it's a lot of fun, and I love being involved in the blending process and going to Nicaragua. It was my first time down there since the pandemic. I went to the Dominican Republic because we have a factory we work with out of there called the Bacalera L&B, which is Victor De La Cruz. I'm not sure if you guys know who he is. I've heard the name, yeah. He ran tobacco. Yeah, he was a production manager for Tobacco Dom. And, um, and Jose Valdez was running our factory in, uh, in Nicaragua. So I used to go to Nicaragua more, but I haven't been at any of those places until the pandemic was over. Yeah, I, I remember. Stuck down to DR for a quick trip last year. I remember when uh, that the pandemic first happened, and that was like the first thing that let the manufacturers, let the owners and stuff, people like Steve Saka, and like all those people that they are always going back and forth to the factory, you know, because they're always you know they're look they're working on blends and looking stuff. It was like the first thing was like shit, I can't get out of the country now. What am I going to do? And I yep. even think that, I think Carney said, 
there was even one point they kind of had to sneak Lito Gomez like back into the country because <laughs> he he was either stuck in the DR and he couldn't get back here or vice versa. But he said something about one time they they I don't know they they had to kind of they had to sneak him back in or something. It was when everything all the borders were closed and everything was closed and the travel was small and um so uh, yeah I mean it, that's definitely a a a struggle I think for a lot of people for a long time. I mean I know people have been traveling you know back in in and out of the country now for about a year now pretty regularly but um still I mean that's it was great yeah I mean st- I mean I think one of the things that is a plus too is that do you still need to like have a covid test like before you come in and out now or can you like do you still have to do that no if you're vac- if you're vaccinated you're fine you just go right in and out yeah yep oh, that's right good that's good I remember hearing some horror stories of people who were like ah oh, like I forgot to schedule the test or like you know, people who are like, oh, I'm afraid to go because if I go down there and everything's fine and then I take a test to come back and then I can't come back and then I'm stuck down there. And then so I, I know that there's a lot of people. But you, could, <laughs> but you could always go south to Costa Rica and get out to Costa Rica, which is more U.S. anyway. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. There's more United States influence in Costa Rica. So you're not really stuck. You can get out Honduras north too. Did you fly Avianca? Which is my yeah, yeah, and I, I gotta tell you, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I'm flying Avianca." <laughs> it was a great flight, great flight, easy airport because nobody else is flying there, so nobody was there. Yeah, we're off season now. That's yeah, that's yeah, true. It was a great experience. Off season, yeah, I've heard nothing. And the guys I was with loved it. Oh yeah, well, that's good. Flying to Managua, right? Uh huh. Yeah. We haven't been down there yet. It's on our list. We we've we've had a we've had a dozen invites to come to so many places and you know Drew Estate and Perdomo and it's on our list and we haven't been down there yet, but we will at some point. I think we're going to be going to the Dominican first, either the end of this year or the beginning of next year. So that's uh, that's going to be our first international cigar country factory tour expedition journey, whatever you want to call it. I think that'll be first. I think we'll do Nicaragua after. But uh, it's on our list, and we're definitely excited for it. So, um, you know, we, we look forward to that. Nicaragua was – it's very safe. You know, people make it like it's so scary. But it's not – you know, I mean, as long as you do what you're supposed to do there, you're fine. But it's very safe. Especially oh, yeah. Especially having the festival again in December. So. Oh, yes, that's true. Or January. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to try to do Pro Cigar and then Pour Sabor in Nicaragua. Um Probably, if not in 2024, maybe 2025. We'll have, we'll have to see. But you know, we're we're trying to get to all those other yep. things. Um, you know, with scheduling and all that too. It's it can be a lot. We still work during the day too, so that 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 comes into play. But yeah, no, it it, 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 it it's definitely it's got to be exciting to visit these other countries too, and see some things. There's a couple of things I wanted to hit because uh, I did forget about it. I once again I got excited for the guest and I forgot about the the show duties. Um, first of all, as our guest, what are you smoking tonight? All right, so I was smoking the Umbanda, but right now I'm smoking Nicaragua Gold Series. It's a San Andreas box press with Nicaraguan fillers with some Pennsylvania broadleaf in it. Ooh, Pennsylvania broadleaf. Some good tobacco. Yeah, Toro box press. Um, Nicole, what are you smoking? I am smoking the La Flor Dominicana TAA 50th Maduro. (coughs) That's a good cigar. That cigar... Um, that in its natural, um, counterpart, counterpart, sorry, I I was looking for the word, uh, (laughs) it's natural counterpart, 
are some of my favorite cigars that LFD has put out um, in the last year. They um, they do feature that, that signature chisel tip and uh, it just has so much flavor. And one of the things that I love about it is they use uh, Criollo 99 for all their TAA blends that they grow uh, at, down in the uh, in the Dominican Republic. So it uh, creates a very unique flavor. It's it's one of my favorites that they make. Uh, I I don't know I don't know if those are still around. I'm sure there's some some shops that have them, but they're probably not as widely available because they've already been out now for a little bit. And I know they're probably looking at the 2022 release. So if you can find them, you can check two guyscigars.com. That's the number two guyscigars.com. They may still have them in stock. I'm not sure. You can give Barry a call. Call Barry Stein at Two Guys Cigars. I don't have the phone number, but you can look it up and call Barry Stein and see if they have them in the warehouse. I'm sure Barry would love to take care of you guys on those. Those are fantastic. I, myself, I'm, smoke I'm going through some of my show samples. Uh, we were going to smoke Rockefeller cigars, obviously, because Kevin's here. And unfortunately, I, I had to order some because I didn't have any on hand, and I ordered them overnight or not overnight but express earlier in the week thought they would have been here by now and of course wouldn't you know they're not coming till tomorrow so we don't have them here for the show tonight it is the it's a very rare occurrence that we don't have the cigars for our guests i don't think that's actually i don't think we've ever missed that mark so it uh unfortunately it did happen but you know the show goes on and we still smoke so i am smoking the patoro gran and yeho reserva uh, that i've grabbed from the pca trade show as i continue to I'm about three-quarters of the way through all my show samples. Nicole's a little bit behind. Nicole's been busy with work, and then the first, you know, a few weeks after the trade show, she was still had COVID and long COVID, so she... Um, my taste was off, so I wasn't going to waste my palate. Yeah. You know? So now she's getting into her show samples, and um, she started with a couple. I won't say what they were, but she started with some, and they, 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 didn't, they didn't go very I well. Yeah. I'm don't even bring it out. Don't even no. Don't even bring it out. Just leave it. I was it. gonna take the band off. No, it's okay. Just leave it. Just leave it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a little um murder pile. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I mm. couldn't smoke some of them. They were bad. The so. unfinishable pile. Yeah. It happens. You know, it, it does happen. And you know, Kevin, and I'm sure this happens to you too. You know, when you guys are down in the factory, you're going through blends, and you have stuff that gets made, and then okay, well, let's try it. I'm sure you you have tests test stuff that gets made and you, you start smoking it and very right away you're like nah this just is not this is just not where i want to be that cigar just goes right down uh how often does that happen oh are you oh are you kidding i mean you could have the bacheros they could have cigars with them and we do a quality test and walk around and check it more than once to make sure every one of the cigars have no holes in them they have nothing no misplaced leaves that's what we try to do right we have guys just walk around and test them in the factory. Just smoke them right out of the pile. No, so you could have 50 cigars rolled, let's say, right? Mm. And then they're going through each cigar, and one of them doesn't doesn't go up to quality. They just get rid of it. Oh, you mean like? Oh, okay, okay. Now I know in some factories they'll they'll do they'll just do spot smoking. They'll go around and they'll just grab a random cigar off of each roller's table. Yeah, we do that too. Just cut them, light them. Yep. It'd be like okay, and I know like in some factories, you know, they'll if if a cigar doesn't, you know, at a random test, if a cigar doesn't go right, they actually take the roller out of, out of the the rolling line, and they disassemble that cigar. They try to figure out what went wrong with it, and I think Perdomo does this too with the draw testing. If the, if the cigar fails a, 
a draw test. I think I don't know if it's within a certain parameter or if it's just a, like a full fail. I don't know with like Perdomo, they if it fails the draw test, they they know who rolls each set of cigars that goes through testing. They pull that roller right out and, and they right. they take they take it apart. They look at why it was too tight or why whatever, and they that roller has to roll another full complete cigar right then and there, you know that passes the test before they can get back in line, uh, which is crazy how some of the quality control gets done uh some of these factories it's mind-blowing and i know they're not the only ones doing it it's they all do it to some degree um, yeah we do we do it too yep it's it's amazing too and i think a lot of people like they don't realize that too like just how much how and how hands-on like you know the factory owners the brand owners people like you are just always looking out for the quality i mean obviously you don't want to put cigars in a box and just assume like, oh no, they're good. They go out there, and you know, half of everything you just sold to all these retailers is junk. You know, which it happens. It does happen. You know, I've heard I've heard stories of retailers who have com- full boxes that were just they were just a whole box of duds, and they'll swap that box out for the customer because uh, it's the right thing to do. Um, and it happens. You know, and, and obviously it doesn't. You try not to let it happen, but in, you know, it happens from time to time, and that's the thing. Cigars are a handmade product. You know. Uh, a lot of people need to, re- you know, remember that sometimes it's handmade, you know, things can go wrong, things happen, even the best rollers, you know, have to roll a couple of duds here and there, it's just, it's just natural and it happens. Um, it's all part of the business, right? So, yeah, we wanted to go from seed to cellophane. So when you take that cigar out of the cellophane, you're enjoying the smoke. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the way it should be. Now tell me, so tell me a little bit more about your, um, about your core lines. Anyway, we kind of talked a little bit about the background and some other stuff, but let's actually get right into the the lineup of the brand. We don't. Okay, we have we have. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. We have we have fifteen blends in total. We have about thirty-two vitolas, thirty-four vitolas that we could pull out at any time that would predicate tobacco out of Dominican Republic sizes. So we have a Maduro line. We'll talk about a couple. We have the Maduro line. We have a Habano line on Nicaragua that we just came out with a beautiful Habano Lonsdale. That was right in end up going to the show. And then uh, then there was a, a Connecticut. That's beautiful, a Connecticut cigar. It's a Sumatra binder with Nicaraguan fillers, Ecuadorian Connecticut. It's wonderful. And then we have our Dominican line, which has a Maduro has a habano and then we have our gold series back out of nicaragua that's another that's what i'm smoking now the san andreas box press so that's some of our lines and then we have a limited edition art of magics we've been doing we did one with agonosa that was phenomenal we did another one with american caribbean that was a cameroon that sold out and obviously we have more coming yeah the um i was looking at some of it when i before you know um, before the show and you know I I go through the the portfolios of the brands and whatnot just you know just so I you know some preparation um, yeah I mean there there is a it's a pretty nice lineup that you guys already have for a company that's that's only been around since 2010 I believe you said it was 2010 yeah um, so I mean in 12 years I mean you guys have have a, a decent you know nice collection uh, of cigars and uh, I did I can't remember I know you guys I knew you guys were at TPE did you guys go to PCA this year no, we didn't do PC. That's what I was just saying. Yeah. So 
we didn't get to uh and, and I believe you guys were at TPE this year. I think I saw that before. I don't th- I don't think we met up with you guys, but I, I felt like you guys were there. That, yeah. The year before. The year before, yeah. So we um yeah, we we weren't there that we weren't there the year before. We were there this year and we'll be there 2023. Um Yeah, we had a magician at the table. Oh, really? It was pretty crazy. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. That's cool. Was it the whole time or was it for like one of the days? No, the whole time we had we hired a magician. Wow. We brought him down with us. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's awesome. No, that's cool. I uh, that's something different. You know, we were talking to who were we talking to? Uh well Carney was on one time and I don't know if we were also talking to Dan Thompson. But we were talking about, you know, people do I think it might have been Dan Thompson because McAuliffe did some interesting things. It was things. before the PCA show. Yeah, but we were talking about I think it was Dan who brought it up. It was like the things that people could do at the trade show to like just kind of make the booth like more a different like yeah more fun a different experience than just like your hi how are you like i'm here to look at your cigars which i mean i get it it's part of the, it's part of the act right it's part of the, it's part of the gig but a magician now that's that's pretty cool i mean that's that's definitely for a trade well, show that's different I, so i i was a magician since i'm eight years old i joined the society of american magicians that harry Houdini started i think it was 1902 so we put on the box the original on of magic it was a tribute to magic 1902 right on the box the society of american magicians i joined it i think in 2007 2000 like it was a secret underground society yeah in manhattan an underground an underground magician society yeah so it's called sam and it's nationwide but in manhattan it's the pa1 which was the first assembly huh so it meets in weird areas of manhattan and stuff like that when i was a kid i used to be like a gopher for magicians at a place called rubens in new york city and I would bring them coffee and learn magic tricks with them. It was fun. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't think we've had anyone who does magic on the show. I mean, we've had some people who do different things. <laughs> but I don't think we've had magic on the show. No. I like that. I appreciate a good magician. I really do. You know? Uh, the, I think the only other worked thing. worked on Wall Street, right? You say, yeah, you've worked on Wall Street. You make cigars now. But it worked great. Like, you, like <laughs> so I was entertaining the tables. I'd make short shakers vanish cards appear on the glasses it was awesome that's awesome that is awesome i'm like trying to picture that at the trade show and it's like you go up and you're like oh hi who are you guys oh by the way you want to see a magic trick it's like what (laughs) so you don't ask right so 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 you really want to just like go up to someone just pull a flower out of their ear or something like that you know what i mean yeah and like wow that's cool or you'd be in an elevator and you go to push the button and fire comes out of your finger Weird shit like that. Now, is this something that you regularly just like like <laughs> carry around with you? Like, you'll be in a Starbucks and like you'll just you'll pull something out of there and you're like, "Who the fuck was that guy?" And you're just like, have a nice day and you just no, leave. No, no, but you know what? I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know some magicians should, I do. Like, I've seen you know clips on social media, but like, yeah, I mean, that's you know just spontaneous magic where people are totally not ready for it and then you just walk away like it didn't happen like oh have a nice day and you're like what the fuck was yeah, that exactly right? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> oh man now so all right so now i have now i have a couple of new questions that i did not plan on asking i'm you. sure you do go ahead so let me ask you your opinion on this when you go on social media and you see, like, there's, there's a couple of guys out there I've seen who they make videos about revealing the secrets behind tricks. 
Is yeah, I got a problem with that. Yeah, I was gonna say, how are the like, how are these guys like? Are they just like ex magicians that just don't that don't care about the game anymore? And it's like, ah, fuck them. I'm gonna show all the tricks and the secrets. Or is it they genuinely so think one, that people should know? <laughs> okay, so one of the Sam rules, you never reveal a secret or you never try to show another magician up, which I 100% agree on, right? Right. That's the worst. When someone's performing and someone's like, oh, I know how to do it. It's terrible. So the guy who's actually out there, he was around once before. The guy who's actually out there doing that, I'm sorry, my daughter keeps running by the car. Revealing this, revealing the secrets is crazy. I mean, it's like he's so bitter for some reason. Maybe he was thrown out of one of the societies. I feel like it... a lot of those tricks, though. A lot of those tricks, though, that they do on social media is a lot of uh, playing around with video too. I feel like a lot of. Um, I feel if we're thinking of the same guy, because most of the time it's the same guy. With the mask on, yeah. I don't think he has a mask on. I think he's unmasked, oh, okay. and I think he does it with his kid. I think his kid helps him out sometimes and he'll actually like he'll like turn things around and like show you like okay there's a trap door back here this is what you don't see and he'll go through the whole thing and like just like a, like a minute and a half two minutes of like he'll do the trick real quick and then he'll be like all right and he'll like he'll like turn this thing around and he'll be like there's a thing here and there's like another thing and then there's a fake ribbon and he shows you the whole thing and then like there's been a few videos where I think like his kids in it with him his kid like helps him with like bigger stuff um, and he goes through the whole thing and he, sh and he'll like take apart the props and show you how like the props work. And it's like, dude, you just gave it away. Like at first you're like, oh, cool. That's how they do it. But then it's like, well, now it's, it's not fun anymore because now I'm going to be like, oh, I know how they do that. And it's not mind blowing. Like it's supposed to be. Yeah. To me, street magic was cool. Right. Like, so I saw David Blaine once he walked up to me in wall street and he was doing a card magic trick. And it was like a bunch of people around us. I was blown away. Really? I love, like, performers that come right up to you and they're interactive. Like, our industry is very interactive, right? So right. He, just, he was doing an incredible card trick. To me, David Blaine's amazing. We actually, so the last time I saw a magician was when we actually went. We were in Vegas last year. Yeah, we saw Penn and Teller. We saw Penn and Teller at the Rio, which we had never seen before. And it was like, hey, you know, we, we've got to see Penn and Teller at least once. We could say we saw them. Um, right. The show, and I'm thinking, and I bring this up because I was also thinking, so they had a show. I don't know if they still do it. I don't know. I think you know the show. I think you used to, was it you who used to watch it? The show where they had, like, um, magicians come out, and they would do a trick, and Penn and Teller had to try and figure out how they did the trick, like, on the show. And if they, they, and if they couldn't, if they couldn't figure out how it was done, then they won money or something like no, that. No, they won like a spot to open for them in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like yeah, yeah. Do they still do that show? I mean, they did it. I think up to like. Last Kevin, did year. you see that show? No, I never saw that show. Yeah, I don't think if it's not on. I think it only ran for a couple of years. I've if it's not Copper, still running. I've seen Copperfield, but Cop I haven't seen that. Is that the only one you've seen? No, I've seen a lot. You've seen a lot, yeah. Yeah, the show is Penn and Teller Fool Us. Ah, yeah, that was a cool show. I mean, I didn't watch it all the time, but the few that I saw, it was it was actually pretty interesting. Um, I gotta check that out again now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so the so the, so the second art of magic is called the Cardition. Okay. So the Cardition is based on a guy named Edward Marlowe. He was a cigar smoking magician, and he created the cigar deal that he could deal out and always have full 
Royal Flush or whatever. And he used to do it in the back room of this place called Chillians, where all the magicians in Chicago would meet. And he would do basically like seminars all the way up till he was probably, I don't know, in the 70s. The place doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Cardition means expert in card magic. Right, yeah, yeah. That's why we made the box like a deck of cards. So you literally open it up like a deck of cards. Yeah. And then we had Jesse Flores design it, which came out beautiful. So I, I feel like you got like your card magic. You got like, would you say street magic? Card magic can be a part of street magic or is street magic and card magic kind of still two separate different things? No, street magic could be a part of card magic. Well, right. card magic rather could be a part of street magic, like coin magic, like anything. Right, because yeah. the magicians didn't have any money, couldn't afford anything. They would use coins, cards, whatever they had. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you kind of go up to more sophisticated things, um, you know, like the, the sawing people in half. and. So that's um... what got me into magic. <laughs> so there was this guy, the amazing Randy. No, you can Google it. This guy, the amazing Randy. And I was that sounds familiar. Old, nine years old. The amazing Randy. Yeah, and uh, the amazing Randy. And he was sword a lady on half on stage and you got to walk the kids got to walk around i was that was it i was blown away wow so nice so then my father took me to tannins in the city which was uh it burnt they had a fire at the time but tannins was like one of the martinka and tans like the oldest magic shops and they were nice they would like teach the kids at the shop it was a lot of fun Magic. I didn't. I, I didn't realize that we'd be getting so. Now, see, now I'm already set up for my top three because, like, now I, the original top three went out the window. I got a whole new top three now. I got a whole new top three. I think we yeah, might. Yeah, that's not on any of my. Yeah, that's not on any of my profiles. So I threw you a curveball. Yeah. I, so now that <laughs> I got a whole new plan now. I got a whole new plan. Well, let's hit the. Let's hit. <laughs> let's hit. Let's hit the. Let's hit the news really quick so that I can. Keep working my way to the top three. I'm not going to get to my top three. <laughs> uh, our news this week is brought to you once again by McAuliffe Cigars. If you head over to McAuliffeCigars.com today, you can sign up to become an official ambassador where you'll get your ambassador coin, your ambassador number. And while you're at it, head over to McAuliffe's Facebook group for the McAuliffe Ambassadors group and join that group as well and meet some awesome, awesome people uh, Andy Yaffe was on Cigar Coop the other night with Coop and Bear, and uh, it was a great time. All the ambassadors came out, and uh, it was another almost four-hour show for, for Cigar Coop. So let's give a round of applause to Coop uh, for doing another marathon show, as he is known for. Uh, our news this week, so, you know, we did an extensive coverage of the LFD NFT over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we were really heavily involved with that, and it was great. And uh, I know everyone's probably sick of hearing about it. Because there was so much of it that we talked about. However, there is a new NFT that has entered the market. And very similar to the LFD NFT. Uh, a lot of similarities. And a lot of people were like, you know, if this goes well, I could see another company doing this. And, I, you know, who's it going to be? And people were like, you know, Fuente, Drew Estate. And I think people kept thinking, of like, who's got, like, really, like, fancy unicorn-like cigars that they could like, do something with this with? And... Uh, a company who's big enough to kind of, you know, invest into pulling it off. So we already have the answer, and it's very interesting. Tatawahe will be teaming up with Abe and Smoke In to do a NFT of the Anarchy, which many may remember as the Micro Blend 
that Abe is Abe's known for his micro blends that, that smoke in. Tatawahi Anarchy was a micro blend. Now the Anarchy is now going to become the NFT, the next NFT. There will be seven of them available. The only difference is Abe is going to keep one for himself at Smoke In. The other six are going to be sold off, very similar to the way LFD did it. And I believe it also, so you get the digital file, you know, like all the NFTs, have, even the LFD one, there was still that, that traditional digital NFT non-fungible token thing that was part of it. But in addition, you'll also get the rights to buy these cigars. And I want to say it's 15 boxes a quarter yes they're doing theirs quarterly they're doing theirs quarterly lfd's doing it monthly but it's around the same allotment yeah they yeah. get they get a box to start with mm -hmm. and then they get the rights to purchase per quarter i believe 15 boxes and it's what 15 bucks a cigar yeah 15 yeah. bucks uh no 14 uh, i think it's 14 but you know still within that same window and a lot of people are talking about LFT having the 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 Andalusian Bull NFT having an MSRP. It does not. Uh, it does not have an MSRP. There is a price of twelve to fifteen dollars. I don't I don't think the number was decided upon yet. But LFT had announced the price of the cigar that they sell to the owner of the NFT from the factory was going to be between twelve and fifteen. But whatever they choose to sell it for is up to them. There is no set you know, suggested retail price. That that number is what they're selling to. I, I assume it's going to be the same with these. It's, it's $14 per cigar to the owner of that NFT. It's not necessarily what you're going to pay it at the, if a retailer buys it. It's not what you're going to pay at their store. You're probably going to pay a lot more than that. Um, but it'll be interesting. So I, I didn't expect to see the next cigar NFT like this kind of come into play. And within a week of the LFD one ending, Tatawai Smokin announced this, which is really cool. Um, curious to see if that continues to draw more brands and companies into doing more of these. It seems like this could become the... Um, it's definitely a trend right now. Yeah. This could be the thing for the next couple of years, and then maybe you know people might get sick of it and find something else. But I would say, at least for a little while, this may be the thing. Um, we're already seeing the next iteration. Now, I've, the first iteration was United Cigar did it with their Atabay line, although there was no physical cigar involved. It was just the actual NFT, the actual just the file, the the rights to the image or whatever. Uh, so now this is only so this is only the second NFT in the cigar industry that actually has cigars attached to it. So very interesting stuff. Very interesting, so Kevin. I don't know if you follow this NFT stuff very well. I've gotten to learn it myself just because of you know, covering the ones in the cigar industry, but it's it's still kind of complicated to me a little bit. And to a lot of people, I just feel like people still don't really get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I follow it a little bit. They're going to be selling houses with NFTs soon. It's crazy. Yeah, I know, and it's and I didn't realize that it's still part of the blockchain of which cryptocurrency yeah, operates on. Right. So the blockchain is the DNA of the actual cryptocurrency. Yeah. So now, what is it on Ethereum? Uh, I believe, yeah, they're using Ethereum. Well, uh, I don't know. LFD used Ethereum. I believe they used right, Ethereum. Right. I'm not sure what Smoke In is using. I'm going to scan through this really quick. I don't, I don't, Or maybe they didn't say yet. But I know that the LFD one was definitely Ethereum. I don't think they mentioned yet because it's also not happening until 2023. Right. So right, I'm so sure more go. details will... They're probably yeah. They're probably still working on that. I just didn't know if maybe they already knew, but they. 
I think they announced it and they're fine tuning the details is what it sounds like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so yeah, it's very very it's interesting stuff. It's 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 the it's the it's the thing of the future, I guess, right? It's this is the the trend mm. of the future in the industry. We'll we'll see how long it lasts, but at least for now, I mean, it seems to be it, now there's another one that's going to happen, so we'll, we'll and see. And I'm curious to see what those ones sell for. It's very true. I think a lot of people thought that the LFD ones were going to sell for a lot less than they did. In total, I think they did $614,000. Uh, it'll be curious to see how well Smoke In and Tatawahe um, do with theirs. Uh, setup being very similar, very different. There's also, in theory, there's less available to the to the public to try and buy because Abe's going to keep one, so actually only six are really available to buy. Um, LFD didn't keep any. They sold all seven. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting. Um, definitely a moneymaker. You know, you can pull it off. You can sell them. You know, good good for you. Uh, that's that's awesome. Yep. I want to go right to our top three now because mm -hmm. uh, I want to do it, and I already oh, have some great. questions, and I don't want to lose my momentum from before um, <laughs> go ahead. With, our, with our magician talk. So, all right. Our top three, our top three this week, is once again brought to you by Room 101 Cigars. Watch the Smoke and Tobacco Show. Eat your vegetables. Take your vitamins. Smoke Room 101. That guy's a. Do you know Matt Booth? Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, he he's a magician in in his own way. Can you imagine if they like worked together on a booth? He had a stripper pole at his PCA booth. Could you make a stripper Shocker. disappear? I feel like there could be some <laughs> some combo <laughs> combo happening there. <laughs> Matt, if Matt was here, this is what Matt would say, and and I'm not just saying this. Matt would look into the camera and say, "Kevin, I'll show you how to make certain things disappear." And then he would just yeah, stare at you. Do. Yeah, exactly. And then he wouldn't say anything, but it would be insinuated that it would be very sexual. And that he would make things right. disappear, because that's just what that's what Matt does. Um, but yeah, he, he is a great dude. <laughs> but he, like I said, he's his own magician. So, <laughs> um, so out the window, new plan, top three, top three, all time favorite magicians. If you want to rank them, you can, but you don't have to. It can be no. That that that's easy. But what I'm saying is, is like. What was the original top three? I'm just curious. Cigars or baseball players? I'm just curious. Without Probably baseball. Baseball. Okay. We had Miguel Shadell from Crown Heads on last week, also a baseball fan. Right. Did baseball with that. Um, talk a lot of baseball with Coop and Barry Stein uh, this past weekend. Right. So baseball has definitely been a heavy theme. Uh, but now I'm like, no, now we're going with magicians. Now we gotta, yeah, we got we to gotta stick with this magic thing because that's uh, – that's way more interesting to me. So number one, uh, number one is Houdini. Okay. No doubt in my mind. He, uh, the most famous trick I ever saw Houdini do. He would take a card. You would pick a card, and then he would never see the card. He would set the deck on fire, and he would take the ashes from that one card that you. He would just randomly take ashes, rub them on the arm, and the card would appear. Wow. Yeah, it was wild. That I'm like, yeah, that is wild. That's wild. Do you yep. think Houdini? Besides all the great escape, all the great escape stuff he did, breaking up seances, proving they were fake, and all that stuff, he did some pretty crazy stuff. Houdini. Do you think Houdini was ahead of his time? Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. 
What year did he die? I don't even remember. And I, I know I didn't expect you to like know, but I don't know if maybe you did. I know when he started Sam, but I don't know what year he died. That would be nineteen twenty six. October thirty first, nineteen twenty six. Oh well I knew he died Halloween, I just forgot what yeah. year. Hmm. Do you know do you know do you do you know what country he was born in? Yeah, he was born in I think it was Amsterdam or Hungary, one of them. Hungary. His name was Ehrlich Weiss. Yeah. His real name was Ehrlich Weiss. And then years later they found out that he was a double agent, which was shocking. Really? Yes. Wow. Interesting. Which was shocking too. Yeah, he's definitely a very interesting guy. Okay, so number two is Di Vernon. Okay. Di Vernon was the only, the second man to only did, to be able to pull a card out of the center of the deck. It was a guy named Alan Kennedy from Kansas City, Missouri. The Di Vernon went to go watch, who had a saloon in Kansas City back in the day, and he constantly winning poker games. And he learned the center deal, which nobody can do. So Di Vernon, and plus he was the king of the salt shakers, the king of close-up magic. Di Vernon was probably the second best magician. Okay, I hadn't Number heard. I hadn't heard of him. I'm gonna have to look at. I'm gonna have to look him up after. Oh, one of the best. Number three is a toss-up between Darwin Ortiz, Frank Tom. Well, Frank Thomas, not baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, a couple other guys. I would have to give it. I don't know. Then there was Paul Harris. Paul Harris was an incredible card magician. With a quirky personality, Alex Elmsley invented all the different magician counts. So there's just so many. I would probably give it to, I would probably give it to either Darwin or to Alex Elmsley. Okay. I'm gonna have best to. Best of magicians. I'm gonna have to do some more ma magician research after the show because it's definitely not a department <laughs> that I've, I've read up a lot. No, but honestly, like I would find it interesting, um, especially when it's like historical about, figures. Like I, yeah. I love that shit. You know, I'll I'll get sucked into, like reading about stuff online for like three hours. So Alex Elmsley was the king of wallet tricks, right? Like he had all these like, these little group card tricks that he would do, and he invented constantly. And then Ron Frost from Tannins would recreate them into like the weirdest shit in the world. So it was a lot of thinking out of the box. Yeah, a lot of thinking on your feet. Yeah, I mean yeah. those are close-up magicians. I mean, if you go to illusionists. Blackstone was pretty good too. Blackstone was another one that was great. So Best you'd put, point magician was David Roth. So you'd put illusionists more in like in their own category of just like that's a whole Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Okay. Now Allison Trainer I mean, is, right? is here. Allison Trainer is here with us tonight too. I want to give her a shout out. I, I she's been commenting along and I wanted to give her a shout out. No, I haven't been seeing the comments. Okay, so she is here, she's commenting along. Uh she has a question though, and I wanted to bring this up. What was Houdini's favorite card? Four of clubs. Four of clubs. Now, is there a reason? I, I don't know. She just asked that question, but I don't know. Is, is there a reason why he liked that card? That I was just, just his card. card. Okay. There might be a reason behind it, but I don't know it. But that was his favorite card. Hmm. Interesting. I wouldn't even think to ask that question, too. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Like, what's his favorite card? It's, like, it's, it's, actually, it's actually a very good question. Just not one I would have thought of myself. Like, you know, especially when it comes to you do a lot of card magic. Well, what's your favorite card to use? Oh, well, that's a good point. 
Um, Cabana's family's from Massachusetts, right? What was that? His family's from Mass. Whose family? He was Houdini's. He was buried. Check that out. He was buried in Massbeth, Queens. And he has relatives that live in Massachusetts. Let me look. Let's see. I know he died in Detroit. Uh, he was an active Freemason. And he yep, was a member a of yep. St. Cecil Lodge Number 568 in New York City. Um, yep. Let me see. Well, I was told that he has relatives in Massachusetts. Houdini Gravesite. Massive. Uh, legacy. And it's it's so weird. You go to that gravesite, I swear to God, you feel like there's like a feeling in that in that cemetery. It's weird. Yeah, I don't see it. I, I'm trying to scan through kind of quickly here, but I don't see. Not that we have as. If I find it, I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah, like I'll. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that'd be my interesting. My wife's family's from Red. My wife's family's from Reading, so. Oh, that's not too far from us. Probably like 25 right. minutes away. Yeah. 25, 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, my grandfather was like a high school principal or something like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not too far away. It's up north a little bit, just up the highway. It's up 95. It's not too far. Um. Oh, thank you, Don Mancini. Congrats, guys, on three years. Forgot to mention that. Today is three years yeah, of smoking tobacco. Thank you very much, Kevin. Um, it is three years of smoking tobacco. Um, not the show. People are like, well, what about the show? The show anniversary that we do with the fundraisers just for the show. Uh, smoking tobacco as a whole and all the things we do. Uh, that all started September 1st, 2019. So today is an the real anniversary day of smoking tobacco as a whole. Uh, it's three years. Can't believe it's already been that long. Time goes by fast. We were, Kevin and I were talking about this before the show. It's we were talking about before and just amazing how fast it goes. Uh, I just I remember I remember registering the domain name for the website and starting the Facebook like page page, um, and just like you know putting it together and there was no one following it and there was nothing on there and it was just you know it was before I even met Nicole. I mean it it was it was it was not that long ago, but it's just so much has happened since then that it, it feels like. It feels like it was like 10 years ago, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I can't believe And I, to be honest, I forgot about it. I forgot about it until like one o'clock this afternoon. I was like, Oh shit, that's today. And I, I, I just, I was just completely not even aware of it. And I remembered and I was like, Oh, that's yeah. And then I, uh, I stopped and I thought back and I was like, I can't believe it's already been three years. We've, we've done so much. Uh, it's crazy. So yes, today is three years of smoking tobacco. So exciting, exciting stuff. Um, Kevin, before we do wrap up the show, um, we spent a lot of time talking about magic and stuff, which was awesome, and I completely caught me off guard, and now I'm like all excited to to learn more about magician stuff because I will read about it. I shit you not, I will go on like Wikipedia and whatever, and I'll read about that for like five hours later as I try to fall asleep. So uh, that's that awesome. that that's gonna be my night tonight. So. But getting back to Rockefeller cigars, you know, we, we talked about your core line and, and some stuff. So is there anything that you can maybe tease us with or talk about that you're working on that maybe we can expect in the near future or maybe going into next year? Uh, I know we're getting in kind of the end yeah, of the year so now. So I'll, I'll just tease you this way. How's that? Okay. I was at Agonosis factory. I was at AJ's factory. And I was at Placencia's factory. I'll oh, leave it at that. Those are all good factories. <laughs> yeah. 
Those are all good factories. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's uh that definitely gives us something to to uh to be itching to hear more about. That's uh that's exciting stuff. Okay. All right. Now, are you guys going to be at TPE uh 2023? The coming this coming? I think so, yeah. Okay. That'd be cool. So, we'll be there too. We'll be doing coverage there. Not a lot of details on that yet. Obviously, it's still, you know, months away, but we will be there and Kevin will hopefully catch up with you at TPE. Uh, this time around, be awesome to see you, catch up, and uh, and check out your booth. And hopefully, there's some magic there because I know we definitely want to see that. <laughs> um, so make sure you bring some magic to the show again. <laughs> um, but before we let you go, anything else you wanted to say or anything you want to plug, promote, say? The floor is yours. No, I appreciate that. I mean, thank you guys for having having me on. It's uh, it was a wonderful show. Glad we got on the angle of magic because Rockefeller is going that way. We call it the magic. Allison actually came up with the hashtag, the magic of Rockefeller. Okay. So it brings That's the cool. Whole right hand into the whole magic thing. Yeah. And we were using Jesse Flores to do uh, some of our artwork. It used to be with Drew Estate. Yep. And we like coming out with limited editions. We feel like the hardest demographic to hit is the millennials and the generation afterwards because a lot of these kids are vaping. And you know what I mean? Cigars were a status symbol. When you first were able to smoke a cigar, you were important. You were going into business. And we like to make them, like, very out-of-the-box thinking. You know what I'm saying? To attract yeah. them more. Not with offering, like, kid stuff and bullshit like that. But just, like, out-of-the-box as much as possible to get attraction. Yeah, no, I... And I think I... The, younger gener- the younger generation, I mean, look, when the older generation fades off, hence why General created Forge, right? Yeah. Their growth was not so much higher. They didn't have much to grow. They had to either buy a boutique or create boutiques. They had to. They had no choice to grow in the industry. No, 100%. So it's the same thing. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, and, and, and what did they do? They created Forge, and then they bought Room 101. And now they have right. They have that They have that brand, I think, that will be really good for them. And it will be good for Matt, too. And they got um, the right guy running it. Yeah, they got Matt, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. They got the right guy. He definitely can appeal to that demographic, too, and – some of the stuff he does and yeah, I think it's going to be great for them and it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to, uh, know, to work. I'm always amazed because the IPA market took so much of the beer market. I mean, you take the whole we're the whole world beer market, right? Yeah. Maybe IPA is a 17% of it. Do you know how big that is? That's enormous. Yeah. 17, 18% of the IPA market, but boutique brands have not taken that in the cigar industry yet, but I think they will. Over the next three to five years, I think you're going to see an overcoming of that because a lot of the new smokers, a lot of the minority smokers and women smokers that are coming in have open minds and they're trying all different new things, not stuff that grandfathers were smoking and stuff like that. And I think it's really going to boost sales of boutique brands. Yeah, I remember being a kid. I mean, I didn't drink beer when I was a little kid, but I mean, I just remember being like a younger kid and like you'd go to the liquor store, the grocery store, like with your parents and like, you know, it was Bud Light, Bud, Miller. You had, you know, the usual suspects. You had, like, Heineken, and there would be some Guinness and, you know, a couple of import right. stuff, right? And that was it. That's all they had. Now you go to some of these stores, and half the store is beer because you have your usual suspects. And then you get all these, like, craft breweries and microbreweries that come in, and they they get, they need more these liquor stores. They need more space because they have all these different things right. that they have to showcase. And you're right. I think that it has changed, and you, and you see, like, that younger demographic. It's all about craft beer in IPAs right. and microbreweries and all that stuff. And I think you're right. I think the same can happen with 
the boutique cigar market too. Um, you, you talk it, about it totally can. You can even talk about you can make the make, you make the argument on bourbon, right? You know, fifteen years ago, you could buy old Rip Van Winkle, Pappy Van Winkle, fifteen year. You could buy it on the shelf at most liquor stores. It was sitting there waiting for sixty-five bucks. It was nothing special. And then all of a sudden, Anthony Bourdain says, "You guys got to drink this Pappy Van Winkle stuff." And now people pay two thousand dollars a bottle for it if they can find it. Um, this bourbon right, market. Same thing with e- it, it's you see. Yeah, the, Eagle you Rail see, went through the roof. Yeah. See. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of bottles. You look at the Weller lines, the Blanton's line, Eagle Rare. Even other stuff from Heaven Hill Distillery, um, stuff that that used to just be sitting on shelves. Uh, some of it, some of some of those brands are newer, but uh, some of that that's been around, they're sitting on shelves. And now, like you get all these, and I find that a lot of the people drinking these bourbons are younger people. I find that right. a lot of people within our age demographic, um, you know, the mid twenties to the mid thirties, you know, those are the people who are really like. Going out, looking for these, tracking them down, collecting them. It's a whole thing. There's groups on Facebook for it. It's a whole, like, society now on, like, on these, uh, like, hard-to-find bourbons. Not something I ever heard of before, like, five, six years ago. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a market for that in the cigar industry as well. I mean, we've seen it in other industries. And, um, you know, who would have thought that 20-year-olds were, like, hunting down you know, barrel-proof bourbon. That's always been, like, your grandfather's whiskey, right? It's crazy, right? Right, Ex- exactly. And, you and got... all the amount of Facebook groups that, all the amount of Facebook <clears throat> groups that blown up over the last five years is insane. So I think if they can do it, I think you're right. I think the cigar industry can do it. It might be, The cigar industry might be a little bit slower to it, but I think eventually they will, they'll build up to it and they'll get there. And uh, when they do, I think it'll completely change the industry even more than it already has. So, um, right. you know, time, time will tell. But, um with that, we are getting towards the end of the show, so I do have to wrap up. So, Kevin, I want to thank you once again for coming on the show with us tonight. It's been a magical time, no pun intended. Um, it's, been a, it's, it's been a great time. Uh, it has been a fun show, so thank you for being here with us, and we look forward to catching up with you in the future. You got it, Matt and Nicole. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, thank you for watching with us. Thank you for listening at home on the podcast apps. Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get them. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. And with that, we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye, everyone. Thank you for spending your time with us at Smokin' Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokinTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.